Welcome to the Raising Great Kids podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Fleming. If you have a preschooler, you are going to love today's interview. We are talking with Beth, the host of one of my favorite Instagram accounts, Days with Gray. So if you're the kind of parent who's always looking for toys, activities, things to help your kids learn and grow, you are going to really enjoy this episode. parents, if you're listening today and you're the parent of a preschooler, you are going to want to share this interview with your other moms and dads who are parenting littles right now. Uh, we're talking with Beth, the expert and mama behind the Days of Grey Instagram account, one of my all-time favorite accounts. Beth, I'm so grateful you're able to join us today. I'm looking forward to getting to know you more. Our parents are going to love hearing from you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. And well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I am a mom of three little boys and education has always been something that I have felt passionate about. I had, I went to school for elementary education, moved down to Atlanta and stayed in the same school for about 13 years, loved every day of it. Um, and then shortly after being pregnant with my second decided to become a stay-at-home mom. Uh, okay, tell us a little bit about how you started Days with Gray. I just like came upon your account uh, several months ago. I immediately shared it with our team. Like, you're going to love this account. Uh, I love how visual it is. I love how play-focused it is. Like, just how did it even start? Thank you. Well, so about five years ago, we just turned five, and I... It, I joke around because it started with one being home with toddlers and filling the day and two um, asking my husband, I said, you know what, you can help me with this laptop. I will, I will do something with it. And I felt this strong desire in my gut to create days with gray, not having any business background or understanding that it would actually turn into a business. It really started as just this passion to share what I know with other families and create a community. Mm -hmm. And so I would have, you know, as you have young children and then I'd get this, you know, two hour break where somebody would help me. And I didn't necessarily have the money to like go shop at target or, mm -hmm. you know, go buy things. So I spent all of that time away focusing on creating days with gray. And my goal was to think about those standards and things that children are going to be working on in kindergarten, and then making sure that it was hands-on and play-based. And I wanted parents to walk into the doors of those parent-teacher conferences with a little bit more of a background of some of the terminology and some of the different skills that their children would, that they would be discussing about their children. Mm -hmm. And that's how it came about. And so over the last five years, we've grown tremendously at just as far as how visually it's how it's transformed and how it's changed over the years. And I went from having one toddler to three children. Yeah. And so does anybody help you with the site or do you do all of, all of the work on it yourself? Yeah, I do everything on, on my own. And uh, that's what's, that's, what's really interesting as well, uh -huh. because you start something as um, this 
feeling that you needed to create it and don't realize that you have to also be, you know, professional social media, marketing, um, SEO expert, you know, you, and I, I think that that's the greatest gift you can have is just this desire to put something out there because thinking about all the different roles you have to play, you might be a little bit, you might not do it. So yeah. just diving in and pressing play and starting. So, yeah, I I do run everything my on my own and um have I, I've I've gained a lot of friends along the way. And so there's just a few other bloggers that I talk to daily, and will that that's really helpful because we share ideas. So yeah. Wow. Well, I I mean, that alone has got to be so encouraging to the moms and dads listening to like just jump in. Uh, Not you don't need to know how to do everything that if you're just passionate about your topic uh, or what you're working on, then you'll learn it as you go. It sounds like you are super smart and you've learned it as you go. Yeah, I still have a lot more to learn, but I think when you feel passionate about something, just people can can connect to your energy. And it, it, it just I think that that's the most important thing rather than doing it perfectly. So have you found with social media and the work that you're doing that you have created like a a network of moms, I would think in particular, but probably moms and dads both a little bit and that like you're able to connect and learn and hear what they want and what they need? Oh yeah, 100%. So even like Mm -hmm. DMs that come in, I have this running list and I'll try to keep notes of, you know, most popular topics so that I can make sure I revisit them in, um, on the feed or as a blog post. And we do something on Instagram called Sunday night setup. And Mm -hmm. so every Sunday we'll meet at seven 30 and I'll share the supplies they need that morning. And, um, at seven 30, I'll come on stories and we'll set it up together so that they have an activity for the week. And doing that, then they create this activity and they will tag me so I can reshare how it looks in their home. Mm -hmm. And then creating that sense of community helps. Okay, well, here's how Beth does it, but here's how this mom does it, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, maybe in Texas, but maybe also here's how they do it in Mm -hmm. South America. And I think creating that big variation really helps, helps people like see how they can also do it in their home their own way. Yeah, I love that. And giving them permission and flexibility. I meet a lot I meet a lot of young moms who feel like there's like a set of rules they must follow and to realize like that is actually not the best way with little kids and I feel like you give a lot of permission to be flexible and kind of use what you have and uh, to enjoy play. So, let's talk about play for a minute. I know um I was telling you before we started that we write a lot of content for our preschool department, Wombaland, at our church. And I, as we're writing, we our big philosophy is play is how preschoolers learn best. It's kind of like their little job every day. Their job is to play, and that's how they're experiencing and, le- and learning. And I think that's one reason I liked your account so much. So I would love to just hear you tell all of our parents and 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 me like why do you think play is so valuable what is happening with preschoolers when they are playing so when anybody is playing our guard is down right and we're allowed we're like introducing a lot more new ideas and we're making connection mm-hmm. to prior knowledge um and that problem solving that creativity that critical thinking that hands-on um that imagination, it's all really connecting the dots for higher level thinking. And um, so allowing children the space and the flexibility and even us adults to do so just helps us thrive. And it also helps us gain the confidence 
and and almost like self-regulation and trust in ourselves uh, because we're putting things in motion. And that's just one of the biggest gifts that we can give to our early learners because as soon as they hit that grade school, there's just not as much play. And we know it's important as an educator, but we also feel the pressure of like the standards and all of the other things that come with education. So we need to make sure that our preschoolers are able to play as much as possible and our toddlers now because they can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our audience are probably parents who have like newborns and crawlers and babies who are just kind of exploring their world to early walkers to toddlers and twos all the way up through you know late preschool years so for a minute kind of talk us through the preschool years and like what are some milestones that we should be keeping in mind um, what are some developmental things that uh, the reason that we're playing what we're, what we're trying to help kids kind of master and learn about can you walk us through that a little bit yeah, so that is that can be such a big answer. I think that the mm -hmm. simple answer to that is that right now we're building they we want them to have confidence in themselves. And mm -hmm. so if your child is somebody who really likes imaginary play, we want to give them as much opportunity for that. If there's yeah. somebody that likes games with rules, you know, we want to give them as much because and it even like, you know, a little bit of risky play if your child, you know, really likes to um, go outside and explore how their body moves. You know, we want to give these opportunities because the biggest, the biggest skill I think is confidence. So when they okay. walk through those doors and they're learning skills and they're making even more friends, they believe in themselves. So that's the biggest one. And then you have, you know, like the life skills and then you have the academic skills, mm -hmm. uh, but everybody learns at their own pace. I can say, even with my three children, Mm -hmm. They have hit different milestones at different times. Mm -hmm. And the ones that we weren't sure, you know, if they would quite, they would grasp giving them the time and the flexibility to get there has been everything. And um, so, you know, you can think about the progression of numbers, you know, so numbers, it, it's, you know, you're counting and you're recognizing a number symbol. And then the next level would be one-to-one -one correspondence where like you're actually, you know, identifying, okay, you're touching an object as you're counting and you're, you're associating it as a group. And so we can take where our child is at and then we can, we can build on that. Mm -hmm. But being able to play and have these simple activities in a risk-free environment is how our children are going to take these different risks. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I love the idea of giving them confidence at home where hopefully they feel the most safe before, like you said, they're entering a classroom or an, a, another environment, especially older preschoolers or younger kindergartners are nervous about those big changes. Uh, at least some of them are. I really love what you said about being patient too, because I think as parents, especially when they have these regular pediatric checkups and, you know, the doctors rightly so are trying to make sure are we on target for whatever these things are, uh, sometimes parents walk away and they're nervous and they're worried or now they feel like I need a regimen to like teach them whatever this is that the doctor was asking about. Uh, I, I really love how you said that your boys reach them all differently. I know even in my family to this day, some of my young preschoolers who talked late are still the last one to like really want to talk and use a lot of verbal communication to this day. And they're in their 20s. Like it's part of their temperament and their personality style. So much of it is based there. Um, 
Are there a couple of activities just to like give some practical ideas that you would suggest that support uh, some of the milestones? Like maybe maybe let's take for a riskier kid that likes that adventure. You know, I feel like that risky kid is always paired with a mom who doesn't like risk, <laughs> it seems like. So she's always like, oh, my gosh, you're climbing on the furniture. And that child is like, get me higher. What else can I climb? So what, what if we take that concept? What are some like practical things that uh, activities a mom or a dad could do with that kind of a child? Well, so I always say as far as like that risky play and that child that does want to keep climbing, I do think it's important for the, the parent to um, also be in a situation that they also feel comfortable. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you have a child that, that likes to, so for us, you know, I know where I'll take them to go on a walk or go hiking, you know, we're, but I also know the places that I'm not comfortable. And so understanding like yourself, I think is also important because when you can kind of, you know, breathe and relax too, then your child feels that energy. So you Mm -hmm. should never force that. Um, But, you know, there's some movement activities that you can do at home. Like we love painter's tape. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful about what kind of floor you're putting it on. But if you, for us, it, it works with the delicate tape and I'll do, you know, a zigzag line and a straight line, and then maybe, you know, a bigger zigzag. And the object is to, you know, move the primary color pom-pom balls from one area to the other to dump them with like a dump truck. And so uh-huh. those movement activities, or even, um, we laugh because my seven-year-old is a fantastic jumper now. Uh-huh. And my mom and I crap because we could not get him to jump. Like <laughs> it, it was, it was just like, <laughs> and he was closer to three, you know, where you're at the doctor. So, you know, can you, can you hop on, you know, can you hop on one foot, can, you know, and you're like, Oh, wait, I don't know if we can do that. So, and for us, you know, we would just put a piece of painter's tape, then they would hop over it. And then you'd put another layer of painter's tape and they'd hop over it. And then you'd put another, and it becomes this really fun game of how many you can jump over at one mm-hmm. time. And so stuff like that, you know, you can activate movement at home, um, uh, depending on where you live inside or outside. Uh, talk to me a little bit about dramatic play. Like what, what are preschoolers learning when they're dressing up or when they're playing baby or they're cooking or, you know, all the things that young children like to do. Talk about some of the activities and what you feel like is happening in the development of a child when they play those kind of games. So in those kind of situations, they're taking problems or situations that they have already seen. And a lot of times they're reenacting them to maybe better understand what happened, or it's something that's really interesting to them that they want to do in a little bit of a different way. So Mm -hmm. they're, they're communicating, they're talking they're And a lot of times too, when there's more than one child in that situation, you also have to communicate ideas and you have to, you know, so that the play, you know, continues to move in, you know, in in a circle that, that works for the game or the dramatic play that they're, and everyone takes on a different role, Mm -hmm. you know, dramatic and imaginary play is an excellent way for a child to explore different thoughts that they're having. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, Probably a month ago, we released a product to help preschoolers talk about their feelings at the end of the day. And it's like a magnet board with all kinds of silly pictures and they can pick the one they want to talk about. So it could be a unicorn or it could be a, a sad face or anything like that. So tell me a little bit about how dramatic play like helps them talk about what they're thinking about or maybe what they're feeling. 
Well, you know, I think a lot of that is that they just do it on their own. And so as a, as an adult, when they're doing imaginary play or dramatic play, we typically want to just be on the sidelines and we're just watching, you know, what's happening and we're making observations and we can take little mental notes of, of, things that they're saying or things that they're doing and then know how then like with your activity, then, you know, we noticed some aggression or, or, you know, something looked like it was confusing them and then we can, you know, use what you have and kind of, and sort that through. But I like to, during imaginary play, I'm really not as involved. I'm definitely more on the sidelines, just making Mm -hmm. observations. Can you tell me a little bit about Repetition. I uh, so one of my grandsons. He is uh, about eighteen months, and I remember all my kids. Almost any kid I've ever played with do this. But like, you can stack blocks and knock them down. We could do that for an hour sometimes. Like we can stack them differently. I can stack them on different furniture. I I'll play games and stack them where he can't see them, and then he runs and finds them and knocks them down. Whatever that is. But that repetition and him really liking a game like that. Why do preschoolers love that? Well. They're building on something called their play schema, which means that they are taking something that they've already found fascinating, and then uh-huh. they're just they're just like leveling it up every single time, and um, they're really just taking some idea and they're seeing it all the way through. Mm-hmm. And having a child that really likes one has one interest, it is really important. I think as a parent, we think, wait, they're supposed to be doing, you know, all of these things, but to let a child actually really have the opportunity to see an interest all the way through, it's just so great for their higher level thinking and their problem solving, because we don't not see it behind the scenes, but what they're doing is every single time it is, it is taking on a entirely new level. I um, I know sometimes it drives parents crazy or they kind of feel like a toy might be wasted because, and then they're like, oh my gosh, my child wanted to play with that over and over and over again. I was so surprised. Uh, and then suddenly they abandon it and never want to do it again. You know what I mean? It's like they, it's of no interest to them. Yeah. And you know, that can happen. And so I try to share a lot of hands-on open-ended toys and that's like your magnetic tiles. So we use something called big, big or plus, plus big size, you know, where the children are manipulating it and they're creating a completely different situation every single time they touch it. Yeah, that's great. Do you have a couple of other toys you would suggest that in your mind are open-ended like that? Well, when I think about what we use every day, it's definitely the magnetic tiles, which yeah. You know, if this is your first child, you have to be careful with the magnets coming loose. Um, okay. I haven't had that happen, but just knowing that that's a possibility. Uh, we use the plus plus big, like I mentioned, all the time. We mm-hmm. use these counting bears. They're like these little colored counting bears because they come out in all sorts of imaginary play. And then you can also count them and sort them. And um, wooden blocks. Those are also mm-hmm. something that we use you know, on a daily basis. And the best part about these types of toys is that you can use them forever. You know, they really are forever toys. You can introduce them in the early years and you'll watch, like you said, the repetition, you'll watch the play evolve so much over the next few years. And it's the same exact supply. It's the same toy. And it's because it's open-ended there near, there really wasn't, it's more process. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, 
product. It really is coming up with this different play every single time. Um, okay, so one of my little grandsons is learning to feed himself, and he was at my house the other day, and his mom like plopped this yogurt in front of him and gave him a spoon, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's going to be everywhere. <laughs> and in my mind, I wanted to feed it to him and like keep him clean and neat. You know, I I was like, what are we doing right now? Uh, so I said to her like can I just feed that to him? She's like, no, he's learning to use a spoon. <laughs> Let him use the spoon. I'm like, okay. But um, there's so many times when little preschoolers will tell you like, I'll do it or I'll do it myself. Or, uh, you know, you think you're trying to help them or they're not quite, you know, ready. Or you even know they can't possibly zip up their jacket, but they insist and spend five minutes trying or whatever that is. How important is it to like be fostering that independence uh, in in these preschool age children? Oh, it is extremely important. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's that confidence building and so many mm-hmm. things that you said. Um, number one, go back to the yogurt and yeah. let them feed themselves. And don't forget to take a picture because some of my <laughs> favorite pictures. I mean, I have one in particular, my youngest with yogurt all over its face and we oh laugh about it all the time. So mm-hmm. one, let that happen and take a picture. Um, <laughs> you know, and then two, so there's this thing, you know, if you want to create this family community where there's helpers, then we have to say yes. So mm-hmm. my three-year-old is probably the most natural helper out of all three of my boys. And I have been saying yes to like cracking eggs and pouring that milk, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, as a parent, it is frustrating, but let's say your child really wants to pour the milk. Well, we have some pouring activities that you can practice, you know, in a, in a bigger, you know, in a bigger bin with, yeah. with a, you know, a pitcher that you can kind of get that arm strength and you can get that hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, number one, say yes. Number two, mm-hmm. there's simple activities that you can do to, to um, help them become better at what they're mm-hmm. trying to do mm-hmm. so that when they do mm-hmm. want to pour the milk into their oatmeal, you know, you, you're not as, you know, yeah. you're not as cringing, you know, on the other yeah. side. Um but saying yes is going to teach them that one, their, their position is valued Two, they're part of the family three, also that confidence again, right? We want to send them to kindergarten knowing that I can cut this, I can zip this. I feel good about the way, you know, and they're confident because we're also like giving them the opportunity to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. If we're just taking it from them, then they're like, oh, wait, yeah, wait, I don't know how to do that, you know? And yeah. so, and that's, we, we want the opposite to happen for them to, as they continue to grow. So, yeah. you know, say yes, that's probably, probably out of, you know, if you take all the academics, you know, that's probably one of the most important things. Hey parents, I hope you're enjoying this interview with Beth. Uh, be on the lookout in a couple of weeks for the release of part two of this interview with Beth, the host of Instagram's Days with Gray.